The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing. Striving this week, as every week, to be your public radio source for the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And in live traffic, an accident on I-75 northbound past the Sharon Road exit, got in the way of me being here on time. That's uh, always a, a risk in public radio that you're sitting on the highway or, I'm sorry, live radio is what I meant to say. I don't think it's specific to public radio. You're sitting, only public radio, you're sitting on the highway watching the clock tick and not moving and calling the station and going, help, I don't know what to do. But we got here, so that's good. And it's question and answer week, so that's even better. Because question and answer week means that it is your chance to, uh, to, to, to just ask any question that seems relevant to you about um, what you need to get started, to take the next step, to find deals, to find tenants, to find people to buy your deals, whatever your particular issue is it's uh this is the day to ask the questions if they're real estate related uh they are good questions we've got two ways that you can uh, reach out to the program here you can call in at 877-772-9658 you can also send an email and rather than give you that complicated link and system i'm just gonna say why don't you send an email to askvina at gmail.com askvina at gmail.com will also get it here so um anything you want to know 877-772-9658 or again um askvina at gmail.com now, luckily, as is often the case, I have some questions here that people asked uh, earlier because they were they were on my email list, which they got to by going to realliferealestate.com and filling out the offer for the free thing, free thing, free thing is what I'm trying to say over in the corner. And uh, we're sending them emails every week that say this is what's coming up on the program. There's usually an article included in that as well. Today it was about how the wholesaling market changes over time and what's going on in that market right now. Uh, so I do have some questions here to answer, but once these are gone, I need your questions at 877-772-9658 or at 
askvina at gmail.com. Okay, question from Kimberly, who says, when you're finding a lease option tenant, as opposed to a straight up rental, do you have to accept the first qualified? And she put first qualified in uh, ironic quotes, meaning that she has heard uh, possibly from her own fair housing organization, possibly from a real estate investors association, that the safest way to screen tenants is to set set a qualification, set a, set a set of standards that say, if you meet these standards, I will rent to you. If you do not meet these standards, I will not rent to you. And the first applica- applicant who is qualified, uh, you rent to. Because if you start making decisions like, well, you're both qualified, but you're better qualified. You run the risk that you are making that decision based on something that you're not allowed to be making the decision on. So obviously, if you said person A has a credit score of 480, but somehow still meets my my minimum requirements, person B has a credit score of 700, but person A applied first, then yes, the safest thing to do would be take the person, the first person who met your qualifications. I've talked to the local fair housing folks here in town about the the least the, the exact issue that you're talking about here. And the answer that I received, at least when I spoke to them six or seven years ago, was lease options are slightly different in that best qualified might have to do with how much upfront money they have available. Because, you know, if there's a difference, the deep difference to you, Kimberly, whether a potential buyer has $1,000 to put up front or whether they have $10,000 to put up front. Now, if a 1000 is your minimum criteria, then you probably should go ahead and process that, process everybody, you know, in the order in which you get the applications. And, you know, if you've, if you've said, I will take a 1000 then the person who otherwise qualifies and has a $1,000 gets it. If what you've said is, I'm basically going to look for this, this, there are still these criteria out here, right? Because you have to have those for your own business. You, you have to know that they're going to be able to make the monthly payment. You have to know that they've got some shot at actually buying the property at some point. So some, some look at their credit, at their, at their payment histories, things like that would certainly be part of your minimum criteria. But having said that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to collect applications through October 1st. And at that point, I'm going to take the person who has the most money up front that 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 would be okay. That's what I heard from the folks, you know, again, six or seven years ago. So um, I would check with your local fair housing organization just to be sure because your your question to them is really if you got a complaint about me because I did I did this would you pursue that complaint right or would you say hey that's that's actually just business and once you have done that you can um, probably operate under their advice so thank you very much for your question Kimberly appreciate it you're listening to question and answer week here on real life real estate investing you can email your questions in at askvina at gmail.com. You can also 
Uh, call them in at 877-772-9658, 877-772-9658. Uh, for those of you who are here in the greater Cincinnati area, uh, you might want to stop by the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati meeting tomorrow. I know it fell on the first of the month this month, so it's it's weird. It feels like it's early, but tomorrow is the first Thursday of June. And uh, the six o'clock meeting is going to be a an, hopefully interesting uh, little workshop uh, about how to find property values. We've had lectures about that. We've had appraisers come in and talk about it. But what we're going to do in this particular six o'clock meeting is just hand everybody some information, some comps, some details about a property, and then workshop our way through figuring out what the value of that property is. So uh, if you're having trouble sort of figuring out what houses are worth, that would be a good workshop to attend. At the 7.30 meeting, we are thrilled to have the Hamilton County Land Bank coming in to talk about something that most real estate investors in Cincinnati don't know, which is how to buy properties from the Land Bank. If you're not familiar with that organization, uh, they exist to take properties, um, uh, primarily vacant, ugly houses that are uh, going to tax sale, uh, out of that system and resell them to folks who are going to rehab them and rent or uh, resell them. So is that exactly what you do, right? That's that's what they do. They've got some rules about how they go about doing that uh, that you need to know and be able to follow. And that's what they're going to be talking about the 730 meeting tomorrow. So that will be um, Cincinnati area tomorrow night, new location, newish location. We're at the uh, Ramada Inn up on Chester Road here in Cincinnati, and you can get more information about that at uh, CincinnatiRIA.com, CincinnatiREIA.com. You can also download a free guest pass there. When we get back, we're going to talk about how to access equity in a rental property and take your questions at 877-772-9658 or at askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. It is question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate. And uh, we got a little bit of a late start, but um, we are, we're, we're here, we're live. Not if you're listening on the podcast. We're not live if you're listening on the podcast. And if you have questions, you should uh, either call them in at 877-772-9658 or alternatively you can um, send us an email. The email address is askvina at gmail.com. I uh, got a question here from Dave. The subject line is equity access. He says, hi, Vina. I have about $100,000 in equity in a rental property, but I can't find a home equity line of credit to access it. What ways do you recommend to get equity out of investment property? Um, and Dave, it's not it's not surprising. David, excuse me. It is not surprising that you are having a hard time finding a HELOC on an investment property. Um, lines of credit against, and I'm assuming this is a single family home, because if it was an apart a large apartment building, we wouldn't probably be having that we probably wouldn't be having that um, conversation at all. Uh, 
banks are not anxious to make co- lines of credit against single-family homes. So uh, if you find an institutional line of credit, my guess is you're going to be able to pull out about half of what they appraise your equity to be. Um, that is going to be a small bank, a portfolio lender, a neighborhood bank probably, someone who understands the community well enough to feel comfortable making that loan. I'm making a a second uh, assumption here, which is that you're saying I have 100000 in equity because you you also have a first mortgage on this property and i it it just dawned on me that i could be completely wrong about this and it could be it could be paid off but uh i'm assuming that because that's what's that's what's making it tough is that you you need a line of credit that is also a second and is also against an investment property so alternative ways to pull that out refinance the property I know that's not the same thing as a line of credit. And what you want is a rotating line of credit. Ideally, in your perfect world, what you would like to have is a line of credit where you can take some money out, go buy a house, fix up the house, sell the house, put the money back and have access to it again, which you would not have by refinancing the property and getting out, uh, taking out the equity as part of a mortgage. Um, Another option is there might be a private lender out there who would consider something along the lines of what you are trying to accomplish here uh, that would sort of give you a it wouldn't so much be a line of credit as it would be an agreement that as long as you will as long as you will use this property that's got a bunch of equity in it as a secondary um piece of security for any private loans that they made that they would then make you private loans to do whatever you wanted in the way of of reinvesting uh, that money. So uh, you've got options, but if you're, if you're going to the big banks, if you're going to Bank of America and saying, I want a HELOC on my investment property that already has a first mortgage on it, you're, you're kind of barking up the wrong tree. It's, it's probably not going to come to pass that, that that product exists, but try portfolio lender. You might want to, um, Again, just refinance it, or you might start talking to some private lenders about what they would be willing to do in a case like that. So thank you so much for your question, David. I think that's, I think that's the first time we've ever gotten that particular question here on Real Life Real Estate in 20 years on the air. Uh, all right, we're going to go to the phones now and talk to Jessica from Springfield, Ohio. Jessica, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi, Vina. Uh, New Springfield over in uh, by PA. New Springfield. Doing? See, I'm looking at the screen thing here, and it says Springfield, and New Springfield is just not the same place at all as Springfield. No, other side of the state. Other side of the state. All right, so what's yeah. your question, Jessica? Um, well, new to real estate investing, and I have two kids that are 13 and 15. I want to be able to maintain my business habits throughout the summer, And I'm kind of fearful of how the kids are going to uh, delay me in my best weekly habits. Mm -hmm. So any advice as far as that goes, maybe to either get them involved or get them out of my hair Yeah, (laughs) while I still go out and do my business. Let me just put on my Vena's dad hat and say that 13 and 15 is old enough to be working in the family business. 
because that's that's how I that's how my summers were were largely spent uh, when I was when I was that age. Do you know doing everything from, gosh, literally we, one summer he made my two younger brothers and I um, renovate the garage at our house. We straightened <laughs> it out. We we for some reason that I I to this day do not know what the thought was um insulated it this was a detached garage that was only it's a real estate investor's garage so it's not actually used for cars it's used for like extra appliances and drywall and stuff right exactly (laughs) and then we drywalled it and then we painted the outside and then we replaced a few of the windows so this was like an all summer long project for a you know a, a 13 year old and a uh I guess my next youngest brother was nine at the time. I drove past that house the other day and somebody has torn down the garage. I was so disappointed. I worked so hard on that for so <laughs> long and it's gone now. Somebody, somebody ripped it down. Uh, but anyway, no, so, uh, all, 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 you know, joking slash complaining about my childhood aside, um, the 15 year old is getting to the point where he, she, hey. he uh, is going to be looking at uh, post high school at this point so possibly college possibly might want to go to a trade school or something and um maybe needs some help to understand the difference between going off and getting a job and becoming an entrepreneur so working beside you at least part of some days would probably do him good uh he is also uh eligible of course to open an ira or a cisa where yes, he has... I can roll over their 529s into a CISA. I just found out last week. There so. you go. So, if he is if he is school bound past high school, um, set him out to look set him out looking for a deal to do in his CISA so that he can actually pay for his <laughs> his next whatever his <laughs> next step is. I mean, they can do things. They can do everything from uh, you know hanging signs to they, they can't drive for dollars yet but they can certainly keep their eyes open for deals they can they can go through the, the kids that age are typically pretty uh internet savvy so i can have them do my craigslist searches for Cra- me <laughs> do your craigslist searches but but more more complex stuff than that even go through the courthouse records looking yeah, okay. for evictions foreclosures um you know anything where somebody looks like they've got a property and a problem and and letting you know what the any heck they can address the mail, you know. <laughs> yes, I, I, I picked up my postcards today actually. So. Y- yeah, they're they're yeah they they can they can be helpful. And my my father's take on the that world was not just that the kids could be helpful, but that they should be helpful because it, you know this is how mom supports you, right? This is this is your legacy this is how we're how we're going to eat and you should help just like you mow the lawn you should help now obviously they're also in an age where they want to spend a bunch of time uh hanging out with friends so you can't (laughs) you can't turn them into your you know little wage slaves all summer long you know strike a balance but i hear what you're saying about you're just as concerned that they are going to like be a bit of a roadblock by sort of being there all the time and the way I have seen, yeah, I mean they're in school nine to three usually. So yeah, yeah. The way the way I have seen uh, people uh, with kids that age, anyway, 
um, sort of deal with that is to have a just sit down and have a have a conversation and the conversation is when mom is working I know you see her I know she's here I know you could poke your head in and say can you make me a sandwich but as long as this door here is closed unless something is on fire or someone is bleeding mom's at work okay it was just like when she used to work outside of the house now we're going to pretend like she's outside of the house unless something really really bad goes on and you kids can entertain yourself during that time because uh, uh, there's blood don't bother me <laughs> exactly blood or fire or, or or something you know there's water that water is water is really bad too but um yeah i mean i think i think they're old enough to sort of understand that they're they're lucky to have you there in the house so that they're not being shipped off to day camp or something but at the same time you've got stuff that you need to be done and then you have to stick to that too because it's so tempting when you work at home to let them distract you because you're you you're, you need to tackle something hard or that you don't want to do and you're like ah oh, just let me go see how the kids are doing you know you, you can't yes i'm guilty of that <laughs> i'm guilty of it too and i you know the only kid i have is smart boy here uh, but I do, but I do that, you know. I, I I suddenly get very interested in having a conversation when I'm about to have to do something that I don't necessarily want to tackle. So you you have to be a little disciplined in that regard as well. But I think I mean they're old enough that they can they can both help you. You can work out some sort of a a, a wage. A you know I'm going to pay you by the something, right? I'm going to pay you by the lead you bring me something like that and make sure that you're helping them out with their IRAs make sure that some of that is going into their IRAs and um can't they just put all of it into the IRA so I, when I do their tax returns that uh you know whatever they've earned is actually going into their for contributions well let's let's just let's hope that they that they do do you so much good this summer that you're going to give them more money they're going to give you they're going to be paid so much that it's going to exceed their maximum IRA contribution I surely hope so. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Got a plan for that, but <laughs> yes. But at the same time, yeah, my day-to-day activities need to match the end goal. So right, right. So yeah, and so it just you know, I, I would, in all seriousness, I would put them to work this summer because, especially the fifteen-year-old, in another you know three more summers, he's going to be working one way or another. He's going to be working. So this is a good chance to. Um, See what it's like to more or less work for yourself versus flip burgers or whatever. And uh, also just, you know, you be careful to not let them become something that you are letting distract you because you don't want to be doing something that you should be doing at that particular moment. All right. Very good. Thank you. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you very much for your call, Jessica. Great question. Love the love the questions about uh, how do I how do I get stuff out of my way so that I can so that I can do what I need to do. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's question and answer week. If you have a question, you can call it in like Jessica did at eight seven 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 two nine six five eight, or you can send us an email at askvina at gmail dot com. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. It's Q&A day here on Real Life Real Estate. So 
whatever questions you might have that would help you have a more profitable week or career or whatever it is that you think I can do for you, uh, just call in at 877-772-9658 or um, send an email. The email address is askvina at gmail.com. I uh, got this question here from Laura in Atlanta. She says, I am very serious about becoming a wholesaler and I do have some money to invest. What would my very first step be? Uh, Well, Laura, I am hoping that if you, the fact that you're saying you have some money to invest does not mean that you believe that you must have money in order to um, wholesale because it is not actually the case that you are buying and selling houses in wholesaling. And if you do not know that, if that is a um, surprise to you, then your very first step is going to be the same very first step that I took and that every successful wholesaler you have ever met in your life took, and that is you're going to go get educated. The money that you need to spend will be spent on education, which should not, by the way, should not, by the way, be a five-figure number. You can get some very, very complete wholesaling education for around fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars. I mean, complete in the sense of all the forms, all the contracts, all the information, pros, cons house, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Don't spend, don't spend $20,000 on that. And then following that, your monetary expenditure will primarily be in marketing because that is, that is the, the work of real estate today, the work of real estate investing today. And it doesn't matter if you're talking about wholesaling or something else, the work of real estate investing in a market like this is finding the deals and on market deals, not by the time they make it on market. um, Most of the good deals have sort of, have sort of gone. Uh, They, they, the truly motivated sellers are often um, they're, they're literally done with the deal before any agent ever gets to it. So that is how you are going to get started is number one, make sure you know some basic stuff about, do you, do you know how to figure out what a property is worth? Do you know how to um, figure out the repair costs and what repairs are needed? Do you know how to, well, how to figure out what a good deal for an investor might be? Because that, is all necessary. Like you, you're not, you, you can put properties under contract without knowing that kind of stuff, but you can't sell them. So make sure that you understand how the process works and have the skills to do it. And then you can go out and do it and not actually buy houses because typically I mean, you can, but typically what we do is assign contracts, not buy and sell houses. So 
again, concerns me a little bit, but I'm not sure whether you know that or not from your question. Okay, this question is from is also from Kimberly, but this is a different Kimberly. Uh, this is a Kimberly who is writing from Lexington, Kentucky. She says, I'm in contract, or I'm almost in contract to buy my very first rental property. Yay, Kimberly, woohoo. However, the seller is objecting to the lead warning statement that is pre-printed in my purchase agreement. They want it taken out of the contract because it gives me the option of doing a lead inspection. To my knowledge, this is a federally required clause, and I don't plan to do the inspection, and I have informed them that I'm not going to get this one done. This house was built before 1978. Would you advise removing this from the purchase contract? Wow, Kimberly, you know what that what it tells me that this person is so so anxious that you remove a clause. Okay, so but the clause the clause says properties built before 1978 may have lead paint. Lead paint is dangerous to children and pregnant women. Buyers have the right to do lead paint inspections, right? If you if you've actually copied the clause or that whoever wrote the contract has actually copied the clause from the law, that's what it says. And then there's typically a thing that says Kimberly waives that right or it's a right to an inspection or it says that you're going to get an inspection, right? So you've already said, I'm not going to get an inspection and he still wants it gone. My spidey senses are going off there, Kimberly. I think he knows there's lead paint in that house. Knows meaning, I mean, there's lead paint in every house, but there's no, there's lead in every house, every house, every house in the United States. I guarantee you, if you did a swipe test on the windowsill, there's going to be lead in that swipe test. There's lead paint in basically every house built before 1978. But I think he knows it's going to fail a test. I mean, like he has actual legal knowledge. Whether that bothers you or not is, you know, up to you. Try, rather than removing the federally required lead clause from the purchase agreement, try just try finding out if it will satisfy him for you to just write next to it, uh, buyer waives the right to this inspection. Because he's what he's if what he really wants is to know that you're not going to do an inspection, then he know that way he knows that you're not going to do the inspection. If he still just wants it gone, 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 man, I would be super duper suspicious about that. Like, like I, I would, Kimberly, do this. Call your local health department and building department and ask if there's already lead paint orders on it. Because if there's orders, all that work that you were going to do anyway, because the property probably needs fix up, is going to cost you seriously like, 200% of what it would have cost you to just do the work in the first place. So please be careful. Uh, okay, just got a question in from Kevin, who's in Northern Kentucky. Kevin says, if I buy a mailing list, what is the shelf life of that list? Is it different for different kinds of lists like out-of-town owners and probate? Uh, good question, Kevin. I assume what you're asking is for how many consecutive months or years can you continue to mail that list and not have it just be completely like like it's no good anymore? And yes, you are right that it is different for different types of lists because uh, the two that you named out of out of town owners 
and probate would be great examples of kind of the opposite poles of um, of shelf life. A probate list, which I, I assume what you are buying here is a list of people who have properties that are currently in probate, as opposed to a list of inherited properties. And that list, in my experience, has a shelf life of maybe six to eight months, and it really starts to kind of go, it's, it really kind of starts to go bad after about six months in the sense that most people who wanted to sell the house that they inherited would have done so in six to eight to nine months, and most other people would not want to sell, right? So in other words, the people, people inherit houses and they don't sell them. People inherit houses and they keep them as rentals. They keep them and live in them. They keep them and put a put a sibling into them. That's a list that's not going to have a super long shelf life. Uh, the out-of-state owners list, which is the other list that you mentioned, uh, actually has quite a long one. If you were to buy one today, wait six months and buy the list again. So you don't, you don't change, you don't change the zip codes that you bought. You don't change the area that you bought. You don't change anything about what you bought. You're going to find that the list is only a couple of percent different. Yes, there will be some new people who bought houses. And yes, some of those people would have sold their houses, but it's not going to be like half. It's going to be probably 10 to 15%. Now, there is there is another thing to take into account, which is that according to the U.S. Post Office, the addresses themselves will go bad at the rate of about 15% per year. So in other words, people move, right? And they close down P.O. boxes, actually P.O. boxes and um, uh, like, um, you know, sweet numbers that are actually bo- uh, postal boxes at FedEx office places. Those go da- those go bad at a much higher rate than fifteen percent a year. I don't know what the number is, but I can tell you, I can tell you, we almost don't bother to mail those because people just the people open them and shut them like they like they get new email addresses. So, at some point, even a list that the owners themselves are not changing is going to be completely bad for the simple reason that everybody's moved or died or closed their P.O. box and opened up a different one and you don't have the address anymore. So yeah, you do have to, you do have to renew them, but something like an out-of-state owner's list, you probably could safely keep it around and keep mailing it for like a year. Great question. Uh, Final question here. We actually have a couple more, but this is the last one that I'm going to be able to answer. Uh, this one is from, uh, let's see, I don't have a name here. I just have an email address. Uh, he says, I'm new to the real estate investing world. I've heard a lot about wholesaling. Um, I went to my first real estate investors association meeting last night. And the first thing I was told by somebody at the group is that there were approximately 600 people in our group trying to wholesale. Do you have any thoughts about how I might determine if my area and surrounding areas is a good market for wholesaling? I'm not feeling defeated as I realize that many of those people will not take action. I'm just looking for some practical steps I might take to evaluate the wholesaling market here. Are there any thoughts? Goodness gracious, whoever you are, if you are going to let the fact that other people are trying to do the same thing that you want to do stop you from doing anything, how are you ever going to do anything ever 
Like, do you get upset because other people are trying to play softball and so are you? It, it it's just it it's that that's that's a constant thing, right? And yeah, I get it that whoever it was that said to you there's all these people trying to do this was probably probably I'm, I'm going to assume they're a real estate association group leader and they're trying to give you their best advice, but that's that's their limiting thought. It doesn't have to be your limiting thought. That just because other people are trying to do it, there's not going to be any room left for you. Or just because other people are trying to do it, they're actually doing the things they need to do in order to do it. That was a good catch on your part, by the way. So um, I'm going to say, tell you the same first steps that I told the very first uh, person that I was answering questions for today. And that is get yourself educated. Um, figure out where the deals are in your market. And I, I guarantee you they're off market. But my other question is, are they in retail type properties or are they in rental type properties? And if your city is like every other city in the United States right now, the best deals are in rental type properties. And then just go out and do what you need to do and ignore all these other folks, except when you're using them as mastermind partners and accountability partners and networking with them and getting their help and advice on deals if they've done more deals than you have. Um, I understand your concern, but it it's really, I'm telling you, all, all of the apparent competition, maybe one or 2% of it is real competition. So good luck. Uh, you'll do, you'll, you'll make it if you just go do what you need to do to make it. And I appreciate your question. You've been listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. And until then, happy investing. Happy investing.